Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. This is episode number 111. I'm your host, Chris Cato. I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Tyler McDonald, in just a second. We really appreciate you guys joining us for the podcast today, where we're going to, where we're going to be talking about the 2021 Austrian Grand Prix, in which was a, a great race to end the really intense triple header that we just had. But of course, first, we get our sponsor reads out of the way quickly, so if you don't want to listen to them, you can go ahead and skip away. <laughs> Support for the Backmarkers F1 show is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you guys, Backmarkers F1 show subscribers. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use the discount code BMF1show at manscaped.com. So check out the discount code in the description below and also the pinned comment. Use it BMF1show at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. So thank you very much to Manscaped for that offer for our viewers and also our longtime sponsor, thegpbox.com. We've got a bunch of discount codes in the description found in the video or in the podcast app down below. You can check out their website, thegpbox.com. They've recently done some very nice renovations to it, and you can find a bunch of really great motorsport art, phone cases, memorabilia, even some really cool F1 used car parts that you're really going to enjoy. So check out thegpbox.com and go to the video description or podcast app description below for some discounts and you can use it there. So joining me here on this midweek, on this uh, very hot and sunny Tuesday afternoon in Ottawa, Canada, we bring in Tyler McDonald, proudly repping his Italian jersey after Italy advanced to the Euro 2020 finals with a nail-biting penalty finish against Spain. Tyler, welcome to the show. What's up, Zuri? Wow, what a match today, Chris. Let me tell you. Now, most people are probably going to be thinking, McDonald, wow, that sounds really Italian. <laughs> but uh, that is my dad's last name. Uh, my mom's last name is DeAngelis, which is a lot more Italian. Um, so uh, that side of my family, uh, I support uh, Italy because Ireland soccer sucks. Um, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, so, yeah, so it's just a phenomenal game for Italy today. Just uh, they played, played really well. Uh, maybe worth a better team uh, throughout the whole game, but uh, a fantastic uh, deal of resent. Uh, they were relentless, sorry, uh, I should say, defensively uh, hung on there till penalties, and then we were just very clinical in the penalties. So can't wait for Sunday. I got another it's a quadruple header for me because I got a Sunday to cheer for uh, for Italy in the Euro final. So it's it's coming home in a different way, let's say, because <laughs> uh, well, England's never won the Euro, so I don't know how it's going to be coming home if they've never won it. That's a good point. I think I, I you know what I shouldn't say this because I I am now predicting England moving and beating Denmark. Denmark could win. We're recording this on the Tuesday. Italy just won, so I don't know who they're playing yet. That's right. Yeah, and who knows? But maybe by the time you guys are listening to this, you have the answer to that question. But thanks for clearing up the family lineage. I'm sure some people might have been <laughs> curious about it. Yeah. So like, what is um... going on here? No. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it was a good win for for Italy. And uh, of course, nice to hear the Italian national anthem. As always, it's something that we F1 fans have grown accustomed to. And probably some of you even know the words to the anthem by now because we've heard it so much uh, for the Ferrari days. And, and I sung so. it proud. I will say, Chris, I sung it proud during the national anthem. Uh, I, was, I was loud. I was my Caitlin and <laughs> my girlfriend was working. Poor thing. I was in the basement just screaming the national anthem. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I, I got the words. Oh, it's a great national anthem. I mean, it's, I think everybody there, wants to be Italian for that one. There is. I don't think anyone could find me a better national anthem. And some people are going to get very patriotic. Um, but I don't think there's a better national anthem to pump someone up than the Italian national anthem. If there is a better one, please send them to us down in the uh, in the comments below. I would like to hear if you think there is a more uh, inspiring and a motivating anthem than the Italian anthem. I will gladly listen to that anthem and uh, give you my opinion. It's going to be pretty hard to beat. Maybe the Dutch fans and the, the Orange Army out there will have a say about that, but I don't think the Dutch anthem necessarily gets you as amped up that way. <laughs> yeah, a good anthem, but it's, it's just not a pumped-up anthem, you know? Yeah, for sure. So congratulations to Italy and any uh, Italian viewers out there that are watching. Congratulations to you, and then, of course, best of luck in the championship coming this weekend. So let's get right into then the 2021 Austrian Grand Prix. And just before we get into the race recap, just uh, again, another quick apology to all of our fans out there who were expecting a live stream. Um, but unfortunately, due to some complications uh, on my side, I wasn't able to do it for you, for you guys and for uh, for Tyler and Shaker who were going to join as well. So it was really, really disappointing. I'm still pretty uh, pissed off about the whole situation because I was looking forward to doing the stream. The qualifying session was awesome as well. Um, so uh, yeah, apologies for that again, guys. And it won't happen again because we're going to kind of figure out some stuff for future live streams and then uh, make sure we, we can do it all together at once and, and in the same room. And then we won't have to ever cancel on you guys again. But anyways, that's old news. Moving on then into the race recap. And we speak about, you know, pride in, in countries and, and anthems and, and definitely the Dutch faithful. The Orange Army was out in full force for the second race in Austria, which was very nice to see. And they got another victory for their boy, Max Verstappen, who now moves very, very well ahead of Lewis Hamilton in this 2021 championship. And it's just so crazy to me how a couple of races ago, it might have seemed like Mercedes were kind of starting on that role that might they go on to win three or four races in a row and now it's a Red Bull five in a row this was Verstappen's third victory in a row and I just have to say that we didn't speak too much about him in last week's episode but I was surprised to see how much he extended his gap over the, his rivals this weekend I didn't expect him to be that much better than Mercedes the week later and he was in qualifying and in the race of course and he's just I didn't think he could impress me any more than he has this year, but in this race weekend especially, it's probably the most dominant that I've seen him before. And for me personally, he's just answering a lot of questions this year that we asked in previous years of, could he contend against Lewis Hamilton? Is he as good as a Lewis Hamilton? And I think that he's showing in these last couple of races especially that he is one of the top quality drivers and, and could be on, on his way to being one of the best ever, uh, of course, being only 23 years old. So... What did you think of his weekend and just the level of maturity, the calmness, everything just seemed seemed very easy? <laughs> yeah, like he said, after the race, just the car was on rails for him throughout the whole weekend. It was a perfect weekend. He couldn't think he could get much better. But, I mean, look at it. It was the knockout blow almost, you could say, to Mercedes' pride. They have to really struggle to find out what they can do to – bridge this gap that Red Bull has seemed to, to extend it on them over the last uh, last three weeks here. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. Uh, this full, the full weekend sweep, um, fastest lap helps as well. So another point toward Max. Uh, it was just really inspiring to see how, how focused he was all weekend and how, like you said, how easy it came, but it was just due to the, the, the tremendous focus he had all, ra all, week, all race weekend. And uh, 
I mean, that Red Bull car, I think I said it before the, the first of the Styrian Grand Prix. I said how this could be, you know, a Red Bull sweep people these weekends just because of how um, how well this track suits their car. It's done in the past. And it was it was exactly how I thought it would go. Um, not by this much. But if you're Mercedes now, uh, you're really trying to figure out, okay, what can we do in these weekends to come that will help us? We're getting to the summer months where Mercedes usually don't do as well. Um, they struggle with the, the heat, the cooling of the car. I'm not sure if they fixed that for this year. We'll, we'll find out shortly in the, in the coming weeks. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do to, to try and bounce back here versus, uh, versus Red Bull. Yeah, and there's a little bit more time, obviously, now that the triple header is over, but not too much. We have about 10 days or so until the British Grand Prix. And, of course, the whole sprint qualifying format is coming in there, which is obviously big news, not just for the championship picture, but also the rest of the grid, which uh, we can talk about maybe uh, at another time. But it, it is very, very interesting in this championship. And it does beg the question, Verstappen is in the form of his life at the moment. And even last year, he was in the form of his life, but he's just even better and like you said, Tyler, you're 100% spot on with just how confident he is, how calm he is. Everything just seems to be in the right place. But what I love about Verstappen's attitude this year is he's thinking big picture, you know, 10 races ahead. He's not getting too high. He's not getting too low. He's just in that perfect sweet spot where, yeah, you know, I'm happy with pole or I'm happy with this race win, but nothing is finished yet. Um, so then it just begs the question, what do Mercedes do from here? Because they will be trying to bring some sort of updates or upgrades to the car. It won't be anything massive, obviously, with the <clears throat> excuse me, 2022 project ongoing. But is there anything that they could do at this point? Because five in a row for Red Bull, we haven't seen this since the turbo hybrid era began. So it, it kind of just seems like Mercedes are in somewhat of a disarray at the moment as to, as to what they can fix. But... Do you see Verstappen and Red Bull running away with this championship? Is it too early to say at this point? Well, I, I don't know if running away would be the right word. They definitely have a foothold and maybe a, you know a, a foot in to the championship circle. Um, but at the same time, this is Mercedes. They've won seven in a row now. Sorry, eight in a row. Um, you know they've they've dominated since the Turbo Hybrid era. Oh no, seven in a row. I was right. I was right the first time. <laughs> You're talking about world championships, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Seven in a row. I don't know why I said eight. Um, <laughs> I was right the first time. Don't question myself. <laughs> um, they're a proven championship winning team, as we've seen. They're not going to go out without a fight. And it'll be interesting to see what they use tactically if they focus on the Constructors' Championship or if they focus on the Drivers' Championship with Lewis. Because I was really impressed with Valtteri Bottas this weekend. I thought he had a, his best weekend so far this season. Um, you know, he got, uh, you know, kind of screwed a little bit in qualifying. Um, but at the same time, he had a phenomenal race. Uh, I thought was keeping pretty good pace with Max actually for a little bit. Uh, he obviously that, you know, Max got a, a really good, um, you know, start on the race, got ahead of Lando and the two Mercedes were stuck behind Lando. Not that Lando was slow. Um, but that does hamper the progress that Mercedes could have made toward trying to fight Verstappen into the first five laps of the race, staying in DRS range and really putting the pressure to him. It could have been a completely different race if that was the case. Um, obviously, Lewis had that damage, so it, that you know, struck him down to fourth place in total. But uh, in the general, I thought Valtteri um, 
was very impressive this weekend. And hopefully it's a good start for him to try and get his confidence back for the races upcoming. He's uh, usually pretty good around Silverstone. Um, obviously not as good as Lewis. Lewis is almost the king of Silverstone. So that's going to be interesting to see as well. Uh, but it's a good start for Valtteri. And, and it, while I want to see if Mercedes focus on Lewis and focus on trying to get him a driver's championship, or if they play the Mercedes team game, like they've always said they will, and uh, and fight for the constructors championship. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Bottas's weekend was very strong, and he, he's always been good in Austria. Of course, had a lot of complications in the first race with the penalty, um, but I think getting that P two and, and seeing the team orders actually go to Bottas's favor was kind of nice for once. Um, so yeah, but I mean, you know, it was Lewis's fault going wide into turn one, damaged his car. It was really uh, you know nothing you could do there except blame the driver for going out wide and it did mess up his race but uh yeah like you said we're, we're gonna get to Lando Norris in just a moment I think that he was a uh, kind of something unexpected because even going back to the Saturday and the qualifying he qualified both of the Mercedes which I mean again it just really surprised me so you know different track conditions softer tires that, that all comes into play but for me the next two races are going to be huge because we got uh, Silverstone and then obviously Hungary before we go into the summer break and that's big, right? I mean, if Mercedes don't win these two races, then I think that we might be seeing like, okay, it's it really is going to be Red Bull's championship. But I think Red Bull, again, they've shown that they're going to be strong at every single track this year. They beat Mercedes in France. They are winning here in Austria. They won on the street circuit. So they look really, really good at the moment. Verstappen is 100% in the zone. But yeah, expect Mercedes to, to do a little bit of a fight back. That's for sure. They're not going to go easily and they're not going to go quietly. And I think that... Verstappen knows it as well as the Red Bull team that it's not over until that 22nd or 23rd race, whatever it's going to be, at least in Abu Dhabi when he's got the hands on that championship trophy. Yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, this is not even the halfway point of the season yet. Uh, things could change very drastically. We saw back in 20, uh, 2019 um, just how Sebastian Vettel uh, threw that championship away, right? He had the foothold going toward the summer break and once the summer break hit well it seemed to just collapse for him unfortunately for red bull or for red bull for ferrari and uh and sebastian vettel and you know lewis hamilton capitalized can this be the same thing i think the gap is a little bigger than what it was uh, back in 2019 but it, you know it, it's possible there's lots of racing left to go um now you have to think like you said they've been dominating at all sorts of different types of tracks uh, silverstone should be a mercedes track um and it's a lewis track as well so you would think they would be the favorites for this weekend coming up but the hungaro ring you know i'd have to give the edge to uh to red bull there just to, you know just going by the races we've seen so far this season and how there's car how their car has performed Usually Mercedes do really well there, but I think I think Red Bull will have a, a pretty good car going into uh, that weekend as well. So who knows what they do during the summer break to try and help this, but we'll see what happens, like you said, whether this is a 21, 22, or a 23 race we, uh, season. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, and you're right. We're not halfway through the, the season. There's still a long way to go, but very interesting in, in these last five races and a key triple header. Red Bull swept mm -hmm. all three races, so that's very, very important, but... Yeah, nonetheless, another outstanding performance from Max Verstappen, his 50th podium in Formula One, and we're starting to uh, get used to hearing that Austrian and Dutch national anthem on the podium. So that might be uh, one of the new ones that we see in F1 going towards the future. 
Well, we had a lot of orange on Sunday in Austria, and maybe yeah, some I, of them. It was really impressive, all the support for uh, McLaren. For, and for McLaren, right? Yeah. I mean, Unbelievable. I was, it, it was incredible to see. I knew that, you know, Max had his fans, but the amount yeah. of McLaren fans out there were insane. They must all watch Lando's Twitch and, and everything. They decided to come to the race. It was really phenomenal to see the support from McLaren. Uh, Lando acknowledged it, you know, knowing that all <laughs> that support was for him. And, that, you know, it was nice to see him acknowledge all his fans. Yeah, it's all those McLaren unboxed fans that bought That's tickets right. to the Grand Prix That's and right. came That's out. Right. But, oh, man, I mean, it, we're running out of great things to say. We're not, actually, we're not running out of great things to say. We just keep adding on to the great things to say about Lando Norris in 2021. His third podium this season. I, I had to double check that. I was like, really? Third podium? But it absolutely is. He got first one at Imola and then uh, at Monaco and now this one at the Austrian Grand Prix. For almost a second, had it been up in for track limits within a couple hundreds of pole position. And just his pace, though, in the race was exceptional. I did not see that coming. But starting on the same tires as Mercedes and Red Bull really helped him out this weekend. And I just thought he raced brilliantly. We're going to get into the penalty in just a couple minutes because it's a separate topic. So we're not going to talk about that part of Norris's race. But just the way he was able to handle Lewis Hamilton behind him for that little bit. But just his entire race, even after the penalty, came back very strong to finish in P3. And man, he's just stepped up so much this year. Uh, he's my driver of the year. I know Verstappen's been incredible, but just the, the way that Norris has taken the next step since Ricardo has come into that team, he's grabbed hold of McLaren. This is his team now. And Ricardo's a great driver. I know he's still struggling, but it's Lando's team now. He's the future of McLaren at this point, and I think that McLaren got a steal with that three-year contract extension. But I'm, I, I think I got to exchange this hat for for a Norris hat real soon. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, Chris. I mean, he's just been outstanding, and I know, like you said, I think he could have had second in that race. Um, you know, he had the pace to do so, and it's not like he was uh, struggling really out there at all. He was flying throughout the whole race. Um, did, did the strategy well and held Mercedes back. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, held Mercedes back at the start of the race. Imagine if he would have got in front of uh, Verstappen there. Who knows uh, how long he could have stayed in front because he did have the better reaction time going into a turn one, just couldn't make the lunge. Um, but like you said, it, it's just unbelievable what he's doing. Three podiums and he's really turned it on this year. And I'm interested to see how the car development will be for McLaren next year. Are they going to take a step forward? Are they going to take a step back? And where will that lead to Lando in the future and what he uh, ends up doing? Because if they get the R&D wrong and, and end up as a bottom team next year, well, that, you know, I could see Lando going somewhere else just due to the fact that you know he, he has the talent to be a, a race-winning, championship-winning driver. Uh, it, it Lewis even said so himself. You know, what a great driver Lando is. I mean, wow, like that was that was pretty cool to see mid race. Um, but who knows if McLaren get the R and D right next year? Don't count out McLaren winning the constructors and winning the drivers' title with Lando Norris. I mean, who knows, right? I, I think they are going to get it right just because they've on they've been on such a good trajectory so far in these last couple of years, and now it's just only getting better and better. Um, now, one of the interesting things, though, too, is like in, in the midst of all this conversation about the driver market in that second Mercedes seat, I know that he's committed to McLaren now, but wouldn't a partnership of Hamilton and Norris be really, really awesome? I mean, they seem to have a good relationship. Yeah, it really would. But if you steal that seat from George, 
I mean, George gave us a little secret, it seemed like, on the weekend um, where he said any news. Some, I think someone asked him about any news on the second seat for Mercedes. And he kind of gave like a little grin. And, and that was really all he gave. And um, so I, I think it might be his seat uh, yeah. for next year, which is going to be phenomenal for George. Uh, and we can get on to him shortly if you want. But um, that partnership would be very interesting with Lando and Lewis. And, and maybe... I know Lewis just signed for Mercedes for a while, but you know, total said this isn't Lewis's last contract in F1. That doesn't mean it's not his last contract with Mercedes. Uh, could he go finish up his career, you know, like he started and end up with McLaren at the end? And you do get that Lando, uh, Lando Lewis pairing, but not at Mercedes at, uh, at McLaren, who knows what the future could bring, but it's a very interesting pairing. I think it'd be a fun pairing too. It's funny because I don't know, maybe it's just me. Just it seems like he has a closer relationship to Lando Norris than he does to like George Russell, for example, which is you know probably going to be his future teammate. Um, I don't know, I could be wrong about that, but it just seems like with Lando, he's a lot more um, kind of taking like a mentor sort of a uh, role with him. But uh, yeah, it, just to finish up on, on Norris, I think that he has a legitimate shot of getting his first victory in F1 this season. I think that. From pure pace, it's probably not going to happen, obviously, because Verstappen and, and Hamilton, when they're on it, are just so far ahead of everybody else. But I think that if we get a crazy race, an Italian Grand Prix-style race or a Turkish Grand Prix-style race, he is going to be right there. And we saw Carlos Sainz in with the shot at winning a race last year. So I think that Norris, I'm going to say it right now, he's going to get his first victory in F1 this year because it's, it's just there right like the pole position is almost there and and it's coming together and i think that he will be rewarded because you do make your own luck in this sport and you know obviously something is going to need to go his way but i think it could happen well we haven't had the drama of a lewis for stop and crash yet and i feel like that's coming at some point this year it's just i, I don't know when it's going to happen so um it's bound to happen it's got to be uh, it's got to happen at some point. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think that'd be a perfect opportunity, though, if if that was the case for, for Lando to sneak in there, depending on the track, because um, obviously Valtteri would be you know, there as well. Sergio Perez would be there as well to uh, to scoop up those race wins if they do end up taking each other out. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, a very, very good performance then from Norris and excited to see what he can do at his home race uh, in Great Britain, of course. Uh, and just quickly, his teammate Daniel Ricciardo, again, had a difficult qualifying. He's kind of uh, turning into the Alex Albon sort of scenario at McLaren <laughs> where, you know, struggling for one lap pace and then makes up all those places in the race, you know, getting ahead of cars that he should already be ahead of but ended up finishing in seven. So a good haul of points for McLaren. He seemed to be a lot more happier with the car, obviously in the race and much better than what he did at the Styrian Grand Prix, you know, no engine issues or things like that. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like one step forward, one step back for Ricardo every now and again, but um, yeah, it, it, it's difficult for him because Norris is just performing so, so well at the moment and Ricardo's results, they're okay. But I think that McLaren would still would be wishing for him to be, you know, right there with Norris at this point, but a P7, I, I think it was an okay result. Yeah, that's, that's a solid result for Daniel. Um, I think, that, like I mentioned, I think on the previous podcast, let's give him to the summer break, let him have his summer break, learn a lot more about the car in the simulator, and see how he comes back after the, the, the summer break and what he can do in the McLaren. I think that's going to be a good telling point for him 
uh, to see how exactly he will fit in with McLaren in the future. So um, who knows? I think Daniel, as we all know, is a fantastic driver. He takes a little bit to learn the new car, especially the brakes. And we know how good he is on those brakes uh, once he gets a good feel for them. So give him time. Uh, I, you know, I, I think we can still etch, pa- etch, etch patience. Uh, it's tough two words put together. Um, <laughs> uh, in the fact of, that he's still learning the car a little bit. So uh, patience will pay off, I think, uh, for McLaren and Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, now moving on, uh, before we get on to uh, George Russell and what was a, a great little battle that he had with uh, his number one fan in the sport, uh, we have to kind of bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, which is the, the Italy and Spain battle. And in the F1 paddock, you're going to have a very happy Scuderia Ferrari and a very disappointed Carlos Sainz, uh, of course, the Spaniard Ferrari driver. He's going to be disappointed with the result of today's match, of course, uh, bowing out of the Euros. But uh, Ferrari and Carlos are going to be very happy with his P5 here at the Austrian Grand Prix. And out of all the drivers at their new teams this year, he's probably been the most impressive and has fitted in the the most has fitted in the best and the quickly. Um, but he's really, really close to Charles Leclerc now in terms of performance. And I thought that he had a, a really great race. You could put him up there for driver of the day as well, along with uh, Norris and Verstappen. But uh, yeah, a good a good race there from Carlos Sainz. Yeah, it was, and I hope that uh, the Scuderia do a little bit of a prank. Uh, they had a bet where Carlos has to wear an Italy shirt because I know that yeah. uh, uh, Aston Martin did that with Sebastian Vettel when England beat Germany. He had to uh, rep the England gear, so that'd be a nice little little sign to see Carlos in some Italy gear. You know, respect the the game. Um, but you know you're 100 right. He is he has adapted the best out of any of the new drivers going into their new team. Um, right up there with pace with Leclerc, not only on one lap pace in qualifying, but throughout the race as well. He's been very good. So it seems to be a very good transition. Um, now I thought he was on the radio with Lando uh, when Lando got his P2. And, uh, you know, there was a Spanish guy yelling, vamos, vamos, <laughs> yeah. and it sounded exactly like Carlos Sainz. Uh, but I think it's Carlos Sainz's cousin that is on the radio or something. I think I saw that online. I could be wrong. No, I think it's, yeah, no, it's because uh, Carlos Sainz's cousin, I think, is his agent. Um, and he oh, okay. goes, to, you know, obviously he moves around whichever team Carlos is on. But, no, I, I know the guy that you're talking about because I see him on McLaren Unboxed. I'm just, I don't know his name. Maybe yeah. if anybody out there knows just drop it in the comments but yeah i believe he is spanish or something but yeah. it sounds exactly like him sounded exactly like carlos uh so i thought he was doing double duty there like, oh my god <laughs> uh but no it's awesome to see carlos and i think carlos once the ferrari is, is back on its normal pace and a, a contender for wins i think carlos is a race winner in f1 and i think he is possibly a contender for a world championship if the cards are right uh with the, if he gets the right car and he gets the right series of events, you know, Red Bull not being dominant or, um, you know, Mercedes taking a step back like they did this year. So it's not on the realm possibility. Him and Leclerc are going to be a fantastic partnership for years to come. It's just how long does that partnership last with Mick Schumacher coming in the wins, of course, in a few years. So it'll be very interesting to see what the future for Carlos holds. Um, but an unbelievable driver and, again, has a long future in F1. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with those thoughts too. 
Uh, okay, so before we wrap up on a couple of the final things on the Austrian Grand Prix, let's talk about the penalties because the stewards were definitely not shy in handing out penalties this weekend. And we're going to talk about the big ones and then obviously some of the smaller ones that happened post-race. I know there was a lot, of, a lot of penalties to follow, so maybe you guys missed a couple of them. But I did the video post-race because I just kind of... You know, I, I the Norris one, so I'll start with that one. The Norris and Perez one, that to me was just a slam dunk, not a penalty for, for Lando Norris. And just to reiterate some of the thoughts I put into that video, when we look at the nature of that corner in turn four, going on the outside is always going to be a big risk. And when I watch Norris's onboards over and over again, to me, he did not force Sergio Perez off the track. He didn't open his steering to force Perez into the gravel. He kept his line. It's just that's the nature of the car. You know, it's downhill. It's braking. You know, you're losing downforce as well. It's just the nature of the path of the car that goes. Like, Norris did his best. But in my opinion, I think that if we go this direction in F1, the defending drivers are not going to have much motivation to defend because they're like, well, I'm going to get a penalty for this. And to me, what we saw there, and even with Perez and Leclerc in turn four later on, that's just hard racing for me. And, you know, you and I, Tyler, of course, grew up, uh, you know, in the early 2000s era of racing. And, you know, this is not even close to what racing used to be in the 70s and 80s, right? When it was just banging wheels and cutting across the grass and everything. I don't know. That, for me, that's racing. And I think that there's a big distinction to, to me. I think we always talked about this on this podcast. If you're going to penalize drivers, do it for big mistakes. Do it for deliberate, dangerous incidents. But this is just hard racing, man. And this is what we want to see as the fans. You know, and a five-second penalty, you know, really? that That's a huge penalty. Um, now, just to maybe continue my, my rant here, you know, the, the one on, on Perez and Leclerc on the outside of turn six... I could understand that a little bit more because Perez did have a moment of oversteer. So he did force Leclerc off track. He didn't do it on purpose, but the oversteer moment led to that. So I could, you know, stretch myself to understand that. But even that, five seconds, you know, Leclerc didn't lose uh, any spaces. Okay, he lost a little bit of time, but it just seems a little bit harsh to me. I mean, I want to see these guys race, but I also blame the drivers too because every time they get close to each other, it's like Roman Grosjean used to, you know, just right away, report it to the stewards, report it to the stewards. So what were your thoughts on it? And uh, did you see it any differently? Uh, no, I didn't. I completely agree with you in, in all those ways. Um, I didn't think it was a penalty for uh, Norris on Perez. I think you just, like Norris said, that's just, well, he said it was stupid. Um, I won't call Sergio stupid because he's not. Um, but it was a... A, a non-calculated move, uh, in my opinion. Just you're not going to make the pass around the outside there. Patience pays off for these drivers. And I think that was a big lesson that every driver should take out of that race. Um, it was the same with Leclerc. We know how Leclerc is with you know his aggressive driving and trying to overtake. Patience. I think he could have got the move done on the next lap uh, if he would have just waited. Uh, he would have had DRS and would have had an easy pass against Perez. And he did that. he had made that mistake twice. So, you know, I don't think any of those should have been penalties, in my opinion. Um, the good, hard, clean racing. We saw the same thing in Austria when Verstappen knocked Leclerc off the road to make that pass. That's perfect racing that we want to see. Silverstone exact too. same scenario. Silverstone too. Exact same scenario. Just there's a gravel trap there. That's the only difference. Um, so uh, it was frustrating. To, to And I think a lot of people were frustrated. Uh, I know Crofty was fr was frustrated. The rest of us frustrated um, that the penalties were given. 
so hopefully there's because once they gave that penalty to Norris, they had to give Perez both those penalties because they didn't have a choice to at least I will say at least they were consistent with the yes. penalties. We have seen that they're not in the past, so I will give them credit. At least they were consistent, but they weren't penalties. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully that can be adjusted in the future and we don't see this drama at Silverstone because it overshadows a great race. Right. And this is the racing that we want. Like we like these tracks that have these gravel traps and, and not the massive runs because we want to see drivers being paid for their mistakes. And yeah, I mean, Sergio Perez is obviously not a stupid driver, but that move, I, I would agree with Lando Norris. I think he hit it spot on that. Like what else did you expect there to happen? And you're on lap four of 71. I know that that Norris was qu- was quick and McLarens are quick in a straight line. I understand why he wanted to pass him quickly because obviously we saw what happened with Mercedes. But still, you know, you, you got to look. There's three DRS zones. You've got a powerful Honda engine in the back. You've got good race pace. You probably would have been on for a Red Bull 1-2 at, at that point. But yeah, I, I just I don't see the point in that. But to me, I just don't want to discourage drivers from racing hard, from defending hard, but clean, right? And I think that we can all agree that what we saw there on, on Saturday, none of those were, were dirty or, or dangerous. I just think that's what's hard racing. And if we're going to penalize that, what else is there to really enjoy and watch about F1 racing? I mean, they're slowing down the pit stops now, so <laughs> there's nothing to enjoy with that anymore. Not next weekend. We still have another weekend of normal pit stops. Yeah, I'm going to really enjoy those next weekend. But uh, I, I don't know. It's... I guess I'm stuck in the past, but uh, you know I'm, I'm glad to hear that you you agree with me. Not just just because you agree with me, but I just think that for the purity of the sport, we need to maintain that. And I don't see much people were complaining when Leclerc and Verstappen went at it at Silverstone. So yeah, like you said, this being just the gravel trap being the difference. I mean, I, I don't agree with that. So yeah, at least they they were consistent in, in the dishing out of the penalties, but. Like I said, if the drivers do truly want to race each other and race each other hard, then they first need to be the ones to stop complaining every time they get close to each other. And just finally, keep in mind that these cars are also massive. So, you know, it's it's hard. I think they gave each other enough room, but it's just hard because the cars are so big. Man, you should, I hope, I wish people could watch, go watch a NASCAR race, just one race, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially like a short track. Yeah. The beating and banging and, and intentional spins, it, like it, like you know, knocking people out of the race. There's no penalties in NASCAR. They just fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's there's no penalties for it. You, you know, if you're really aggressive and you do intentionally try to hurt someone and take someone out, they will give you a, a penalty or they'll take you out of the race. But for the most part, you know, those are very rare to happen. If for there to be a penalty for or for um, you know, forcing a driver off the track in NASCAR, it doesn't happen. It, it just doesn't happen. So um, maybe F1 should watch a NASCAR race just to see what hard racing looks like because they do hard racing really well over there. And I know people are going to say, well, it's a different sport. You know, it's not open wheels. It's, um, you know, you have a lot more, you know, sheet metal to deal with. And that's true. Um, but the whole point isn't to beat and bang. The whole point is hard racing and, and seeing how these drivers, you know, can race hard for every position. And I think NASCAR does a good job of letting their drivers compete and, and, and settle it on the track themselves rather than having someone jump in every two seconds to hand out penalties for, you know, racing. Exactly. Yeah, really well said there, I think, to end it. I mean, that's racing. It's what we want to see. 
I don't think they're going to change anything because, you know, they're that's just how the FIA works nowadays. And I, and I think, again, it's ever since the death of Charlie Whiting, it's let's be honest, the, the quality of the stewardship and, and the FIA has gone down significantly, in my opinion, at least. So that, that's been an ongoing issue. But anyways, as we move on from that topic, so please do comment down below um, and check out the other video as well if you want uh, more analysis on the penalties there. Um, but then you also had the post-race penalties that you wanted to mention, which oh. was to Nicholas Latifi, uh, it was Nikita Mazepin as well, and then, of course, Raikkonen and Vettel, which had a very odd collision at the end of the race. So uh, the floor is yours on those penalties. Yeah, yeah. well... F- First off, that collision was weird, and like both drivers didn't really say anything. They were just like, "I I don't know what happened there." I'll tell but, you, my my conspiracy theory is is that Raikkonen was I think second in the polls for driver of the day, and he just didn't want to be interviewed on the radio. <laughs> so he's like, "I'm just like him and Seb just had an agreement. Like, listen, like we're just gonna crash and go <laughs> home a, early. Nice easy one. You know, we're not gonna ruin anything. Just a little spin. <laughs> no, it was it was a really weird crash. Like it looked like Raikkonen didn't know he was there and then went to turn and was like, Oh, he's there. Um, but like they weren't mad at each other, which is, I mean, they're good buddies. So I can understand why they weren't mad at each other. It's a really weird incident. But anyways, I don't understand how Latifi and Mazepin both get, you know, 10 second drive through penalties, which ends up being 30 seconds post race. That's a lot of time. 30 seconds. When, the cars that were also under investigation, Sainz, Leclerc, um, uh, who was on, who else was there? Um, there was a few drivers, P5 to P9. Yeah, Alonso, I think, was in there. Uh, Alonso was good. Oh, yeah, Alonso actually was in there. Russell was okay. Uh, Ricardo was in there. Um, and, anyways, you get the point. They all had faster sector times than Latifi and Mazepin. So, how do they not get penalties, but Latifi and Mazepin do. And I think this is an issue that the FIA need to address because they don't explain any of their penalties. They just hand out that little piece of paper that says, here's your penalty. And we don't get an explanation on their thinking. I know. I think it'd be really good if they explain to the viewers, maybe even the teams, what the situation was there and why they gave penalties for just those two drivers when clearly four other drivers had faster sector two lap times. Um, obviously, we don't get all the deltas and the throttle maps and everything like that. But I mean, I, I don't quite understand how that's a possibility to have only two of the seven drivers that were under investigation get penalties. And the two drivers that re- it doesn't really affect really. Latifi, I think the only thing he lost was he would have passed Raikkonen, uh, but now he didn't because of the penalty um because i think he because he passed him on track and finished ahead of him so i don't know we need a lot more explanation from the fia on this stuff they're they're being too secretive the whole point of liberty media coming in was to bring the fans more into it i think this could be a huge step for them uh for in their notes you know do for example um i'm not sure how many people are informed with the national hockey league um, us as Canadians, obviously, we are very informed with the National Hockey League. But they, what they do is they will give out for every suspension or fine, they will release a one to two minute explanation on why that fine or suspension was given. And they'll break it down and give you examples so that it's clear to the teams, the fans, everyone what, what's going on. I think that'd be fantastic by the FIA 
to give out, okay, even if it's a 30-second blurb after the race for these post-race penalties, but it gives something to, ex- to explain to the fans what happened. I, I think that's it would be a great way to have fan interaction and to kind of you know deal with the confusion that comes with these post-race penalties, these penalties that um, you know new fans that are coming into the sport will not understand at all. Oh, I'm with you 100% on that. I, I almost think I'd rather hear a press conference from the stewards post-race mm. than from the drivers. Like, let me, like I said, I, I want to hear the, you know, the race stewards decision on the Norris penalty, for example, of why they gave it, like run me through your process. I, we don't claim to know everything. Obviously we're not drivers and and we've never participated in this sport, but I'd like to think that we've got a pretty good grasp on the concept of formula one racing and certain rules and the regulations. And again, we're not always right. And we are opinionated people, but to just, the other thing I don't like about that to go off of your point, Tyler, is Michael Massey just always comes off as very combative and mm. very like, that's just the way it is, so deal with it. You know, like there, I was reading a couple of articles about their criticism about the penalty point system because Lando Norris got an extra two super license points. And now I know two shaved off from last year's steering Grand Prix, but he's at eight or 10. Like he's a couple of points away from a race ban. And there was a lot of criticism to say, look, this wasn't a dangerous move. Why are you putting this on the license? And, you know, Michael Massey and the FIA, they're like, it's just how it is. We're not going to look at it. So I just don't understand how, look, the teams are criticizing you. The drivers are criticizing you. The fans are definitely criticizing you. So you should be open to say, okay, well, you know, we're going to look into this and we're going to see what changes we could make. But they're just like, nope, nope, this is how it is. And just deal with it. It's same thing they said with the Norris penalty. They're like, nope, that, that's how it was. We had to do it. Done. I just don't like how, how combative that is. And like you said, it's just like behind closed doors. It's the one or two sentences. Yeah, we gave the penalty because of breach of article 8 million and 4.5 section whatever it's just not good enough for us like run us through the process yeah give us i know they're busy people but guess what have someone that's dedicated for that for that reason to make that video um to to explain to the fans this is the penalty this is why here's the telemetry here's the steering map here's the throttle map this is why we get a penalty you can break that down in a minute and it doesn't have to be for every single it doesn't have to be for um, you know, Latifi accidentally driving on the, you know, on, you know, through the, or not stopping in the pits during a red flag. Everyone understands that penalty. You don't have to release one for that penalty. But, you know, the, those post-race ones or the, um, you know, the, you know, even the Lando one, um, you know, give us a little explanation of what happened there and why you gave the penalty. I think that do a lot for F1. Yeah, and to your point about the new fans, when you've got, the boss of the guy that he knocked off track saying, yeah, it was a racing incident. I don't agree with that penalty. Uh, the new fan, I mean, even us as old fans, we're just sitting on the couch going, but, so, yeah. what? Why <laughs> like, is this a penalty? Then? Yes, exactly. So give the explanation, right? Because, we're, okay, we're not the experts, but here is the expert, the team principal of the driver that got knocked off, off, excuse me, knocked off a track saying it wasn't a penalty. So, okay. And again, I'm pretty sure Derek Warwick, who's a former F1 driver, was the the lead steward for this race so i don't know very it's it's really interesting and just to wrap up on the whole fia thing we give them a little credit for being consistent but then the saturday debacle of the alonso and vettel incident which just by the way in my opinion yes vettel did deserve the penalty for blocking but it was not his fault because when you go back on the data and the telemetry 
and the driver tracker. It was the likes of Bottas and I believe it was Hamilton as well who overtook and then slowed down in turn nine and turn 10. That really screwed it up for everybody else. So I don't understand why you penalize Vettel, but you also didn't penalize the drivers ahead who caused Vettel to eventually block Alonso. So that was just a whole disaster too. Yeah, that was a complete utter mess. Like you mentioned, it wasn't it wasn't Vettel's fault. And like certainly, you know, Aston Martin were rushing, trying to figure out if they could make it or not. There was a lot going on in that scenario. Um, and it, it, you know, it doesn't stem from one guy. It stems from everyone, you know, trying to slow down and get, you know, gaps to, uh, to make it, uh, you know, have a clean lap uh, for their qualifying. So uh, that's, it was just a, you know, a very unfortunate situation. And Alonso knew that it wasn't Sebastian's fault. It was, you know, you know, maybe the team's fault or whatever, but just you know, frustrating for Alonso because he could have had a lot better points this weekend. Um, phenomenal weekend from Alonso, and frustrating for Sebastian because again, he probably could have had a better. He wouldn't maybe have gotten messed up with Raikkonen at the end of the race there for what was a great penalty. So you know, it's it's unfortunate for everyone involved. Um, but like you said, I don't know how only one driver gets blamed for that whole debacle. Yeah, very, very strange, but I always do enjoy shitting on the FIA, so <laughs> I'm glad that we could see eye to eye on that one. It's always, uh, uh, it's nice to nice to be able to come together and, and talk some crap about the FIA every now and again. <laughs> um, so let's find up, finally wrap up with the aforementioned Fernando Alonso. Yes, he did have a very good weekend. I think would have been on for probably a top six qualifying had that incident not happened. He was super, super pissed after that uh, Q, was it? yeah, it was the Q2 lap, I believe it was. Uh, or the Q3, I can't remember at the moment, but I haven't seen him that angry in a very, very long time. But nonetheless, still had a really good race, but his battle with George Russell was just so awesome to see. And I mean, this is very interesting to see from Alonzo because, I mean, he's like George Russell's number one fan, really. I mean, just singing the praises all, all the time of this young Brit. But even post-race after was just kind of like, yeah, I, f- I felt bad for him. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is so rare to see from Alonzo. Like, he's always been known to be a very cutthroat, you know, driver who... I don't know how the proper way to say it, but you know what I'm trying to say. He's just a very, very tough, fierce competitor. But even he was just like, yeah, man, like I, I felt bad for him. You know, I had to do the overtake. We had better tires, but yeah, just poor, poor guy, right? Wish he could have got the points, but it, it was so great to see that, you know, the old school versus the new school, great respect on track, really great racing too from both of them. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was during Q3, that incident. Um, it was the final, final run through for Q3. Um, I know I honestly had a little piece of me that thought maybe Alonso is just going to test him a little bit here and put the pressure on, but let him keep 10th. Um, but I think the issue was Raikkonen was coming from behind pretty quick and may have overtaken Alonso for 11th, like it would have mattered. Um, but you know, it would have been pretty cool for Alonso just to give a little test. And and now I obviously Alpine wouldn't be too happy with that if they, you know, didn't get a point and, they saw Alonzo sandbagging to let Russell get a point, right? But um, it would have been an awesome moment for for George after a phenomenal weekend. Um, maybe the best weekend he's had in F1. It's up there. Um, I guess people can debate his podium as well, but he was in a Mercedes. Uh, I think it was the most impressive drive he's done so far in his Formula 1 career. So hopefully those points are coming soon. Um, I'm not sure when the next, you know, the next race for the, maybe the Hungaro ring. Um, I don't see them doing that well in Silverstone, unfortunately. 
Um, but we'll, we'll see what the future holds for George. Cause uh, you know, he was phenomenal this weekend again. And like you mentioned, the battle that they had with each other was just amazing to watch. It was like at the end of the race. That's what I wanted to see was Alonzo versus Russell. And that's what we got. And uh, it was a good comparison between the wily old vet and you know, the young stud coming in. Yeah, it really was. And it's great to see this sort of renowned positive attitude from Alonzo that he's been showing in 2021. I know he's had some downbeat years in the McLaren times, but he seems really re-energized and he's finding a nice groove in that Alpine car, which is nice to see. So yeah, I agree with Russell's weekend. It was very, very strong. And and that's just the unfortunate thing, right? I mean, Williams, they've made a giant leap forward, I think, from last season, but still, I think it just also shows how great of a driver Russell is when you compare him to his teammate Latifi, of course. You know, Latifi is a very good, solid driver, but George is just on another level at that moment and is able to extract the most out of his Williams because he's putting it in places that it probably really shouldn't be. So to see him racing against Alonso was great. And yeah, hopefully, who knows, depending on what happens next year with his contract, we might see more of that happening, you know, hopefully at the front of the field if Alpine can get there as well for 2022. So yeah, excellent to see between the two of them. And of course, uh, Fernando Alonso adding to his helmet collection as well this weekend. I think he swapped with uh, Giovinazzi, recently Mm -hmm. swapped with Lando Norris as well. Um, The story is that he's collecting them for his museum back in Spain. Um, so who knows maybe that's the only reason he came back to f1 was just to add to his <laughs> museum collection that's going to be a phenomenal museum by the way yeah it's a saw, really cool compound yeah i saw like some some of the pictures i think that he has like his old cars there that uh, mm-hmm. i think he has one from uh, Renault and mclaren so yeah and then adding these helmets too it's uh it's really really cool i think he's got his own karting academy as well yeah so uh yeah he's he has his own of... esports academy too oh really i didn't know that yeah, yeah. wow Good for him. He's setting himself up nice then for uh, you know post race career. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's doing a lot for the racing community. It's really nice to see um, stand up guy. We all know Alonso's stand up guy, but um, just awesome to see him setting people up for success. In, you know, in the future, whether it's you know on the racetrack or to go visit his museum and just you know be in awe of everything that this guy has done in his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely a long list. Okay, well then, uh, just before we say goodbye for this episode, of course, the breaking news today was, which, uh, you know, you were joking, Mm. Tyler, good thing we didn't record uh, yesterday because we always seem to miss breaking news, but we got it today, which was that, unfortunately, the Australian Grand Prix will be cancelled for 2021, so the second year in a row, we won't be going to Albert Park. Uh, you know, don't, <laughs> we could get into why and all that stuff, but I don't think it's really worth talking about. Um, but it's not going to happen this year. Now they're asking about, or I guess the, the question is being posed of, will the race be replaced with something? Because it was scheduled to happen in sort of mid November. Of course, you're not really going to be able to go to many places in mid November around the world to host a race. So I think that discussions are either right now to just leave it blank and go with 22 races, which I would be fine with because it's more than enough. Or we could go to, again, uh, you know, a secure or a doubleheader in somewhere in the Middle East. But uh, definitely uh, some options available in the next couple of months. we got some time to figure it out. Yeah, I know we do. And uh, like you said, unfortunate. I think it was due to vaccine rollouts in Australia. So I, anyways, we don't have to get into it. It's unfortunate for the Aussies because they're phenomenal fans. Um, and they deserve to have a race there. So hopefully you get to host the season opening race in 2022, the first race with the new cars. I think that'd be a nice treat for the Aussie fans because uh, they deserve to have a race weekend. It's always a fantastic weekend in Melbourne, always a good race. I, I love that track. So hopefully they get one soon. I'm just looking at the schedule. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they go United States Grand Prix, uh, the 24th of October, Mexico City, the 31st of October, and Sao Paulo in Interlagos uh, for the 7th of November. So a triple header there, then a week off, and then the supposed Aussie Grand Prix. Now, you could try and do, now this would be interesting, you either move the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which is the 5th of December, so two weeks after this Australian Grand Prix, you either move that up to where you know the Aussie Grand Prix was and do a double header in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. or you kick, off, you kick off Saudi Arabia with a bang, <laughs> and do two races in Jeddah at the street circuit. You know, now that you mention it, I think that's what they're going to do. I I could see it happening. Um, I'm trying to think of other spots they could go in that area. Do, um, they could try and do Singapore. Well, Singapore if, already canceled. They already canceled for this year, though. So, yeah, like you, uh, do, you, do they you, could go to China. Yeah, yeah, they could. They could That's... go to China, which wouldn't be a bad race there. They could go to Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, Malaysia is always a fantastic race. I'm not sure how it is in November, but uh, those are two tracks that they could try and go to. Um, when you mentioned that double header in Saudi Arabia, did you hear that sound in the background, though? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I did. I heard that, <laughs> and I heard motors flying over top. Yeah. <laughs> it, I... it, it's a possibility because there'd be a lot of money involved for a double a double header race in Jeddah. Yeah, I I I would see I would be honestly surprised if they just said well we're not going to add a race because they've already really been putting a lot into twenty three race calendar. So yeah, I could I could definitely see a potential double header being there. Now, do they want to do a double header at a brand new circuit? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, interesting. Throwing Malaysia in there, good good one too. I I would love to see another race in Malaysia. I think that's a fantastic track. Yeah, me too. I, I always enjoyed Malaysia, and I know that's been in discussions to possibly return, and uh, that this would be a perfect uh, perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. I think so. No, well, we'll see what happens. There's there's some time for it to be announced, but maybe comment down below if you would like to see that race replaced. Where where would you want to go? I know some people too throwing around another possible double header at a uh, track in the United States. Oh, a Indianapolis? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. Uh, if you go from you know USA, unless you push everything back and you put two USA back to back to help yeah. logistics, then move Mexico and Brazil back, or you could go USA, Mexico, Brazil back to USA, um, which is a possibility. And now I wouldn't do Indianapolis in October; it'd be a little cold, so you'd have to find a track down south, Laguna Seca. Yeah. I don't know if that an F one would go around well at Laguna Seca. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. There's a lot of lot of tracks down uh, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. Yeah, we've been in this situation before, so it probably won't be the last time either. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, it should be interesting. We'll we'll keep an eye on it, but uh, yeah, it's still a couple of months away, so we might not hear anything for it in, in a little while. But I'm sure that they're going to want to get it sorted out uh, in sort of the summer-ish time so that they can plan ahead for for whatever racetrack it is. But uh, yeah, if if you don't have uh, anything else, I think that'll do it for uh, episode 111. No, I think that's it for me. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks very much, Tyler, for for joining me tonight. I think uh, we covered some good aspects here of the Austrian Grand Prix and also just the greater championship picture as a whole and the whole FIA sort of uh, penalty 
dishing out and, and controversies and things like that. So as always, a very, very good, thorough episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it out there, and, and we really definitely enjoyed bringing it to you. But uh, yeah, man, appreciate your time as always, and uh, of course, everybody in good spirits for that win from Italy today. What's well, that, Azuri? Your big game on Sunday. Here we ho- go. Yeah, hopefully they bring it home on Sunday. That's right. Yep, so the next race then, of course, we're going to the uh, British Grand Prix in Silverstone in a couple of weeks' time. And that will be a big weekend as well, of course, with the new sprint qualifying format that they're going to uh, try out. So it's going to be very entertaining, very interesting as well. We're going to have, of course, the A to Z guide for that race as well. And then following that race weekend, Tyler and Shaker will join me again for the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast, where we're going to get to talk about whether the the trial worked or not. Just maybe quickly last thoughts on that. What are you expecting from this? I'm expecting great things. Um, Great things, I think it's going to be really interesting. And, um, you know, maybe we can try and coordinate a live stream or something. I don't know. I'm not putting it out there. I don't even know if I work. I might work that weekend. I have no idea. (laughs) But let's maybe we should try and coordinate something because that'd be uh, it's gonna be a very interesting weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought of the exact same thing. I just wasn't sure if we're going to uh, be able to do it. Like, like I said off the top, we have to figure out a uh, new sort of uh, a system and way to, in order to do it. So I, I could do it from home, or um, if we can work something out between the three of us to uh, rebuild our old sort of studio location um, where we can all get together and, and do the podcast. The three of us. But anyways, you can follow us on all of our social channels at tbmf one Show. And also the YouTube community tab is where we usually post announcements and things like that too. So you can check it out there if you want any updates or, or anything like that, if we do indeed do a live stream for that. But if not, we'll be back with the podcast to recap all of the action. So yeah, let I can't Let us wait. know if you'd want to see a live stream as well. Let us know if you want to see that. So down in yeah. the comments below. Absolutely. And comment below what you thought of this episode and the 2021 Austrian Grand Prix. We'd love to hear from you. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to our channel. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button and also share it around. If you post it on Reddit or on your social pages, we'd be really appreciative to get our name out there a little bit more. And if you are listening on iTunes or Spotify or any podcast platform, just give our podcast a good rating and share it around with anybody who just likes to listen to our podcast in addition to the video that we offer as well. Tyler, thank you again for joining me for this episode. Can't wait to see you and talk to you again after the British Grand Prix, and we can't wait to see you guys after that race as well. Until then, I've been Chris Cato, and it's bye for now. Have a good night.